Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Mike Quinn. We are back previewing the AFC and NFC West divisions to wrap up our division preview series. We're also doing a full all 16 games NFL Week 1 preview and a prospect primer, the prospects to watch for the 2022 NFL Draft ahead of college football Week 2. Let's get it. Buddy, it's week one. Last podcast before NFL games are played. We're also going to Oregon at Ohio State. We drive up to Columbus Saturday morning. It's it's tailgate season. We are back. We're back in black and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, we're going to need some recs for Columbus. Restaurant, bar recs. I actually did live there for six months, so I know a little bit about Columbus. Okay. But, even, but getting the, that was six years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a while. Maybe that was more like seven years ago now. Eight years ago? It was a while ago. Uh, so I need a little update to that. A lot of the bars I used to go to are closed. A lot of the restaurants I used to go to are closed. It's a new Columbus. So excited for that. Excited for NFL to be back, though. I got the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame, Levante David jersey on right now that Neil so great. Shout out founder of PFF, Neil Hornsby, also an avid listener, along with Chris Collinsworth, to the Tailgate podcast. He bought us two Levante David jerseys because we had that episode where we were talking about future Hall of Famers that are currently playing in the NFL. Call them a lock. And he was, we called him a lock, and he was like, wow, are you serious? He was surprised. Gave us some Levante David jerseys. One of them, though, is a women's medium. So that one was a struggle to put on. I put it on in front of the entire office and uh, struggled to take it off. It was, uh, you know, you dressed, like, dressed up like a little bit like a clown there. Neil's got, Neil's got my back with the women's medium, which you hate to see, which you honestly hate to see. But for Columbus, I will say this. I already have four invites to four different tailgates. Oh. All starting at 7 a.m., bro. All right, well, we're getting in that car early. 7 a.m. start in Columbus. Dude, they get out there early. I have a friend who has a tailgate bus, and he, last time I went up there, he got up at, we went out the night before, he got up at 5.30 a.m. to take the bus down to the tailgate. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be a grind. We're leaving here 5 a.m. at the latest. At the latest. At the latest should be a fantastic one. We have a packed show today, but before we do it, catch an early buzz. Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones, both not named captains. Are you worried? Are you hitting the panic button? Oof. Shot to the heart. I had a massive, I mean, like Tua had a very good preseason, but I do think it's difficult to name him a captain when a week ago he was almost traded. Like the, the rumor was Sean Watson on the move to Miami. They were in You think that's a part of it? Talks. Maybe he wasn't necessarily, maybe he wasn't himself going. But when your team's actively looking for another quarterback, I'm not, I'm not too surprised, I'll just say. I don't know. I'm not reading too much into it. I don't. I, I think it's not that big of a deal. I think yeah. he's still a young player. I don't know how those votes go down. I'm not reading into it. Tua Tagovailoa is down for a, is is bound for a breakout season this year, and his captain status. I don't think he's going to keep him from that. I'm not pressing any panic buttons on Zach the Wilson status. though. Did get it after what the not entire Jets roster year? stinks. Yeah. After who was that? Tom Shea saying he didn't. He wasn't a captain at BYU. Why was that? Hmm. I don't know. Well, he's a captain now. So he's who's maybe the mature. captain now? Yeah. Perfect. Look at me. All right, let's get to the AFC West. No more catching early buzz. Let's get to the AFC West here, starting with the Kansas City Chiefs. As you know, we've been doing these division previews for a few episodes now. Go look at their power ranking, PFF's projected wins, Vegas's projected win total, and then the playoff odds now. Power ranking, they're the first-ranked team, according to PFF, right ahead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you could argue you're splitting hairs there. I think the Buccaneers have a right for the conversation of being the best team in the NFL. Projected wins at 114 
I saw Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com had them at 12.4, 12.5, whereas Vegas has them right at 12.5. If you are betting the Kansas City Chiefs over under on DraftKings, you're betting over under 12.5 wins, one of the highest totals out there. And then for the playoffs, they're 82% to make the playoffs, 82% odds to make the playoffs. That's the third best in the NFL. You've been talking a lot as we've gone through these about the fatal flaw yeah. of each team. What is the fatal flaw of the Kansas City Chiefs? So I did this article a while back, the fatal flaws, and honestly, I think it's changed. Because I don't think enough has been made of the fact that Chris Jones is a defensive end now. Chris Jones is not a defensive tackle. The guy drafted out of Mississippi State has never played, you know, defensive tackle really. Didn't play defensive tackle. Excuse me, didn't play defensive end there. Has played defensive end in his career. This preseason, he's playing defensive end and was dominating. Because, basically, they didn't have an edge rush. That was my opinion, the fatal flaw. They are not capable. They do not have the horses on the outside, especially with Frank Clark falling off a cliff this past season, to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So that to me was a fatal flaw, but that looks fixed. Offensive line looks fixed. Uh, hats off to Brett Veach there with the job he did this off season in terms of shoring up. And I questioned some of the moves he made as short-term moves and they are like he, it, they, the roster could be in a look very different in a few years, two or three years down the road from now, but they got a window and they're trying to capitalize on it. And the moves he made this year, shored up a lot of their flaws or sort of weak spots from a year ago. So now I'd say fatal flaw, linebacker core is still an issue there. I think I would argue the fatal flaw is that this roster overall, and we've talked about this, I think a handful of times, is top heavy Thin. and lacks depth. And I know you've said this before, injuries is a caveat. It's a kind of a cheap way to you know, say fatal flaw, but this is a team that can't have injuries at multiple spots. You know, the Bucs, it's you have an injury one place or the other, it's okay outside yeah. of Tom Brady. I'm just, pretend Patrick Mahomes plays 17 games. <laughs> Whoa, almost dropped this. Pretend, pretend, you know, let's guarantee Patrick Mahomes plays 17 yeah. games. I think an injury to Tyreek Hill significantly hurts this team. That's the thing. An injury to Te Travis Kelsey significantly hurts this team. The offensive line is not deep, as we know from last year's Super Bowl. Yeah. And defensively, they're dependent on some stars on that side of the ball as well. Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew. I don't know. I think it's a very top-heavy roster. It's paid that way. Their salary cap is, you know, constructed that way. They are a few marquee – no, not a few. I think one – even non-quarterback marquee injury away from like significantly being affected in this race for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they are losing Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey away from not being the Chiefs offense. That we yeah. know. That, that's the juggernaut offense that basically warrants consideration <laughs> with, with as many weaknesses as they have. And someone, I who tweeted it today? Someone tweeted about, oh, you know, Chiefs are going more two tight ends. Patriots are going more two tight ends. What do they know that we don't? Well, what they know is that they have dog shit for a number two wide receiver. Or, and even worse for a number three wide receiver. Like they got no secondary option there. That's why you're going more two tight ends is because throwing out Byron Pringle is doing you no good because he's going to just get locked up. So I think that to me is kind of why you're going to see more two tight end stuff for the Chiefs this year. Do you remember when Tyreek Hill had the off-field hiccup, you know, the you know the, the TikToks? Uh, the no the accusation oh, the accusation of physical abuse towards yeah. his child and and the voicemails came out and all that stuff and then the Chiefs drafted Nicole Hardman and you had people saying there's your replacement for Tyreek Hill do you remember how funny that was Nicole Hardman is not you're not yeah. there's not a single player in the NFL that I think could back up Tyreek Hill and then if Tyreek Hill got hurt replace what he can do I was gonna say and that's kind of the problem with Nicole Hardman is he's not really a number he's not a number two like he's not. Him and Tyreek Hill on the same field, you don't have – it's a very limited route tree that both can run. Or I guess Tyreek Hill maybe not as much, but Nico Hardman is not going to run a nice, you know, 10-yard dig, 10-yard out, and just be able to get open at will. Like, he's 
No, he's a deep threat. He is your vertical guy. And so with him, him and Tyreek Hill, yeah, presents a lot of speed, but there's only so many concepts you can run with both those guys in the field at the same time. Let's move to the second-ranked team in the AFC West. 12 and a half, though? I'll lean the over. Over? Over 12 and a half. I think it's a very similar reason you're rooting, you know, you're betting the over for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at their high total as well. It's like these two teams are the two best teams in the NFL. Um, I think the over makes sense. All right, Las Vegas Raiders. I think PFF is also siding with the over or close to it. Actually, at 11.4 projected wins, which they obviously, you know, that's the mean projection. You know what? I'll counter you. I'll say under. I'll say under. This division. It is a tough division. This division is talented. So number two ranked team in this division is the Las Vegas Raiders, actually, ahead of the Chargers, ahead of the Broncos. The 17th ranked team in the NFL. Projected at 9.2 wins. This is probably the biggest difference between Vegas and PFF. Projected at 9.2 wins. 2.2 wins better than Vegas. Because Vegas has them at 7. They're over under. And their playoff percentage at 51%. I don't think you'll find a media outlet higher on the Raiders than maybe PFF at 9.2 projected wins. No, Derek Carr did great out as a top 12 passer this past season. They did, you know, lose some people along the offensive line. Um, their receiving core is expecting a jump from young players like Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. Defensively, I'll say this. It can't get fucking worse. It can't get <laughs> that, worse. That's the thing, dude. Seven is a low line here. That's a like, low line. Th- this is still as much as the we The Broncos kind of, are at eight and a half. As much as we sort of harp on a lot of the bad decisions they've made, they still were in such a good spot from just a capital draft capital wise that you can make dumb mistakes. You can make a lot of dumb mistakes and still be a much improved roster with how much, how many draft picks they've had over the last three years, four years. So this is better than a seven one team, in my opinion, especially with the 17 game schedule. This is still a good offense. They still have a solid offensive line. And it's like Henry Ruggs is going to be better than last year. Brian Edwards is going to be better than last year. Darren Waller is still Darren Waller. There's a lot to re- of reason to believe this could be a top 10 offense in the NFL. When you have top 10 offense in the NFL, Seven wins seems like floor, at least. And again, you said the defense is going to be improved. You, you sign Yannick and Gakwe. Even you, throw the players out the window. Moving from Paul Gunther to Gus, Gus Bradley, Bradley, I think it's going to have a significant effect on this defense. They're actually going to put more players in a position mm-hmm. to succeed. They signed KJ Wright. They have Casey Hayward there. I think they added some veteran depth where they need help. I mean, it was a very young defense last year. I'm not saying Raiders go to the Super Bowl, but seven wins is low. Yeah. Very low for a Raiders team that has a competent quarterback. Like Derek Carr is not bad. I'll say it a thousand times. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback in the NFL. He's a top, I'd call him a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And, he can be top 12 at his best. And that's, and they, that's they, enough. They've been going what? They've been winning, they win more than seven games last year with no playmakers on the defense side of the ball. Fatal flaw, still pl- no playmakers on the defense side of the ball. I'm not sure that necessarily changes a ton, but you at least, it could this year. Because the last three years, since you traded Khalil Mack, they haven't had a single defensive player earn a grade higher than 77.9 overall. 50 defensive players in the NFL earned a grade of 78-plus last year. Not one of them played for the Raiders in the last three years. So, again, like you said, it's not going to get worse on that side of the ball. So I do think seven's a low projection there. So we're both going over. Both going over. I think that's smart. I have to fucking break this segment up. It just came across my timeline, Mike. Uh-oh. I have two updates. One, I forgot to say at the top here, we have interviews with Jaquan Brisker. Penn State safety on the on the show today. And also, the, the wide receiver duo there at Maryland, Rakeem Garrett and mm. Demis. Dante Demis coming on the show as a oh, combo. Yeah. We're digging into the Big Ten at the back end of the show today. But also, the NFL is selling merchandise with the starter jacket with Ed Sheeran's name on the back. Look at this merch. I was hoping you were going to say that. I'll stitch in a clip. What is this? What is this? Holy shit. If you were spotted wearing that outside, inside... You're a monster. 
You should get some for the pod. It's probably not cheap either. No way it's cheap. I'm clicking the link right now. I get you. It's like 60 bucks a sweater. The hat is 30 bucks. The starter jacket is $250. (laughs) That's uh, that's what Rob Lowe is going to be wearing at the Super Bowl this year. If you buy that jacket, I I honestly, I'm asking you to send me an email, Twitter DM, smoke signal for help. Just tell me you need help. There's not a bigger cry for help than buying a fucking 2021 kickoff star jacket with Sheeran on what the back. I, I didn't of, think Ed Sheeran wears that. When I think of the NFL, you know, when I think of, like, the sport that is football, I think of a 5'8 redheaded British man in Ed Sheeran. Throw that out of it. I'm Who just, cares? Who cares about how big Ed Sheeran is? That is a weak-ass starter jacket with some random singer on it who's singing one opening kickoff. <laughs> makes no sense. That makes no sense. Could be any fucking person on that thing. Ed Sheeran is not like permanently connected to the NFL. I don't, uh, anyway, I, but, but we we have to we have to move forward. Please stitch in that clip for the YouTube viewers. What the hell? Los Angeles Chargers, third ranked team on in the AFC West according to PFF. They're the twenty third ranked team in the NFL. That feels low. This is a team that Chris Collinsworth, I was on his podcast yesterday, picked to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, out obviously, I gave him the caveats like, yeah. dude, I don't want to hear you pick the Chiefs. You know, like, like if you hadn't, if you didn't have to pick the Chiefs, who are you picking? And he said the Chargers. Chargers, the 23rd ranked team according to PFF, projected at 8.1 wins. Vegas has them at nine and a half. Vegas yeah, likes PFF the Chargers. Playoffs, their projected odds are at 33%, tied for 19th in the NFL. I'm already gonna tell you right now, Mike. I like the over. I think their fatal flaw is youth, both on the coaching staff or not youth, inexperience. You know, I, I, Brand Staley, you know, coming over as a head coach. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to, you know, turn some things around. Derwin James needs to stay healthy is another piece. And Justin Herbert's still young. Like, this this team is still young. And a lot of new faces that have to gel really quickly, you know, on the offensive line and so yeah. forth for this team to be as good as it could be. Yeah. I think the fatal flaw to me is they're cursed as a oh, franchise. Oh, wow. That, yeah, you can't overlook that fact with the Chargers because we've seen the song and dance before. We, we've seen the hype. We've heard about it. But this is a different team because Derwin James is walking through that door. When Durham James walks through that door, this team's been good in the past. And so that is, if you have to hang your hat on the Chargers being good this year, it's because you have the best defensive playmaker in the back seven, I'll say, in the NFL. He's the best defensive playmaker in the back seven in the NFL. Now, I, I do think there's reason to think that in this division, going up against the Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, that every single game is going to be a dogfight, and that nine and a half still is high, and I think that's why PFF, you know, eight point one wins, is low on them because you have you're relying on outside of Derwin James in that secondary, you're relying on a cornerback group that is a rookie in Asante Samuel, a 32 year old Chris Harris, and Michael Davis, who has had really one year of solid grading in his career. So that is a tad worrisome. The defense was a problem last year, but again, you bring some guys back healthy I'm punting on this line nine and a half just feels like kind of where they're going to end up in my opinion uh it's really going to depend on Justin Herbert like he was very good for rookie is he going to be the year two jump of uh Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes those guys or is it going to be the year two jump of uh Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen where it's just it's kind of the same guy I'm gonna I'm gonna be a complete bitch right now Mm. I'm gonna punt on this line I'm also gonna say something that's just terrible analysis, but I stand by it. I think oh. this might be one of the most fun to watch teams in the NFL this year. Brandon Staley, that defense, Justin Herbert, year two. There's so many storylines around the Chargers, and also it's going to be it's going to be a, everyone's favorite team. Everyone's going to want to run. Everyone loves Brandon Staley. Everyone loves Derwin yeah. James. Keenan, it's like all these chalky fan 
People uh, love these. People love this team. People love all the narratives driving this team. Herbert included, Staley included, Derwin James, Keenan Allen. I think every team, every fan, everyone's going to be rooting for the Chargers, you know, outside IFC, you know, division rivals and stuff. I, I will say, low-key, we're going to get to the matchups later and do some picks. My One of my favorite games that I want to watch this weekend is football team Chargers. Yeah, that's, that's got that's a, a sneaky, lot of fun game. matchups, a lot of fun players, fun to watch players in that game. Hashtag fun to watch. All right, Denver Broncos, last team here in the AFC West, the 24th ranked team. See, this is this is interesting. You know, Chargers are 23rd, and Broncos are only 24th, where a lot of people, including Vegas, views them significantly lower. Their projected wins are at 7.8, according to PFF. Vegas has their win total at 8.5, and, and their playoff odds are at 30%, you know, 25th best in the NFL. Their fatal flaw is obviously the quarterback room. I mean, is there any other fatal yep. flaw? That, that's it. There's... There's really not many other flaws to this roster. It, it, it is as complete a roster. I think them, the Buccaneers, the Browns, outside of the quarterback position in terms of the fewest holes, Broncos are right up there. Um, your biggest hole probably outside of, you know, again, the quarterback position is center. Center is your biggest question mark outside of quarterback position. Lloyd Cushenberry was... One of the lowest grade offs line in the NFL last year. So it, Quinn Miners may end up starting, although Lloyd Cushberry's slated in their first depth chart here to start week one. But man, I like I and, that, and for that reason, I wanted to be like over eight and a half, over eight and a half, over eight and a half. But it's a quarterback driven league. Like we've said Teddy Bridgewater can get you in that eight to nine win range. Is he gonna get you to 12 wins? Is he gonna get you to 13? Is it gonna be enough to cover eight and a half here? I'm gonna say it. I think I'm gonna go over though. I think I, I think I will. Eight and a half wins. I just think this team is too good. I think Fangio is too good of a defensive coordinator, and at the very least, Teddy's not gonna lose you games. And they have receiving talent, man. It is a dynamic receiving core, especially on Cortland Sutton coming back. I just, I, I think there's enough there. Over for Kansas City, over for Las Vegas, and over for Denver, and you're punted on Los Angeles. Talk about. I just think the West is going to be a nasty division there. I've gone under for a few, for like pretty much everyone in a few different divisions, but I do think the West is going to be the best in, eh, not the best football, but up there with the best. But football. the NFC West okay, is just as good. Cool. And that's where we're heading next. Yeah. I mean, the NFC West has a ton of talent. All four of these teams are ranked inside the top 15 on PFS Power Rankings mm -hmm. when we get to the NFC West. Before we do, going to bring up a proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. It is DraftKings. Fire up your tailgates. The NFL is back. Get in on the action before opening night kicks off with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Tampa Bay, plus 73 for all customers. That means you can still cash in as long as the reigning Super Bowl champs don't lose by 74 points against Dallas on Thursday Night Football. And if you haven't tried DraftKings yet, don't miss out. DraftKings is giving a, giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 more on any football game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Sportsbook app now to, and use promo code PFFBET. New customers bet $1 on any football game to receive $200 in free bets instantly with promo code PFFBET. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Free bet promotion for new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Max wager limits apply. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We are on to the NFC West, which when I was doing prep for this, came away that you know PFF is really high on a lot of these teams. And a lot of these teams are expecting, you know, there's a high expectations for all of them. All four of these teams yeah. 
And some way or another, people people feel they can make the playoffs. I don't think there's a more equal division top to bottom. True. Than this division. Like, all there, you are splitting hairs here from the worst to the first team in this division. Starting with the Los Angeles Rams, the sixth-ranked team in the NFL, according to PFF. Projected wins at 9.3. Vegas has their win total at 10.5. 10.5 for the Los Angeles Rams. People are buying that Matthew Stafford whatever. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. The, the untapped potential in year 13 that we haven't quite seen yet. <laughs> not, playoff- not to a little. Like, he will. Like, he will probably have one of his best years statistically. But again, yeah, there's reason to believe this defense won't be the same. And it, they are up there with, like we mentioned, a top-heavy team where injuries could very easily bring this offense or defense to its knees. Their playoff odds, according to PFF, are at 54%, tied for ninth best in the NFL. I think their defense is top-heavy. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, etc. I think losing Brandon Staley will be difficult. Yep. Losing John Johnson will be difficult. Like These are things that will be hard to overcome. However, I do feel that this offense is going to be one of the best offenses we've seen from Sean McVay. Because I do, Matthew Stafford is going to do what Jared Goff was capable of inside of structure. I think at the same rate Goff did. Yeah. But it's where he shows up outside of structure. Big time throw rate at 7.8% outside of structure for Jared Goff. That was under 1% in his year with, uh, last year with the Rams. They were going to have a lot better production when things break down with Matthew Stafford under center versus with Jared Goff. I think this offense is going to see an uptick. However, I am fading how much hype has you know been poured into the Los Angeles Rams. Some people, mm-hmm. a lot of people actually are picking this team as you know a dark horse to go to the Super Bowl, the third best team in the NFC. I am fading this ten and a half line. I am going to be one of those guys that's saying no. They are going to go under ten and a half wins. I agree. I think under ten and a half wins. There's just too much that can go wrong with this team. With again, how how if Aaron Donald's out, this defense. Can't is not going to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. If Jalen Ramsey's out, you have multiple holes at quarterback in that secondary. That I, I just there's too many like again there's too many things that go wrong to really just say yeah they're definitely going over ten and a half wins. And then again adding the fact that this division they will good. be exactly they will not be it will be equal footing for six games. You're not just getting a few layups in there in your own division. Uh, Timo Risque, a data scientist here at PFF, he's also known on Twitter at PFF underscore move, wrote a fantastic article about how the Los Angeles Rams have kind of become overvalued and maybe even overrated. And I think reading that, combining that with some of my preconceived ideas, I do think fading them at 10.5 is where I'm leaning. Seattle Seahawks, power ranking at tied for 7th in the NFL, projected wins at 9.5, according to PFF. Their line is at 10, playoff odds at 57%, the 7th best odds in the NFL. Is this secondary not being talked about enough? I, they lose Shaquille Griffin, and there are yeah. a lot of concerns after Griffin leaves and what this back end is going to look like. Yeah, so there are three second or three cornerback groups in the NFL that are legitimately throwing out like not a single maybe starter even that I would that like not a guy who would start on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, there are the Seahawks, the Jets, and the team we'll get to in a couple minutes here: uh, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals that. They're just not throwing. They, they just don't have cornerbacks. Like they, they are going everywhere else but cornerback. But the, what I worry about with the Seahawks is they don't also have a pass rush. Yeah, the Cardinals can have a pass rush. The Jets can have a pass rush. Seahawks have L.J. Collier still pencil in the start. We just called him a. We just wrote him off as he was on bust watch. He on was on bust episode. watch. He was, he was the guy who was doing nothing. He was playing in the fourth quarter in the preseason. Like he was doing not much, and he is starting for you. So, yeah, I worry that. 
you know, obviously Legion and Boom ain't walked through that door, but also that you're not getting enough pass rush to mitigate anything. So it's going to be shootouts. And I don't want to say the book was out on the Seahawks offense last year, but I think you're going to see a lot more teams just sit in too deep, deep coverages, say, hey, run the ball on us. And they do have a better offense line this year. They should be able to run the ball fairly well, but just basically not let the deep balls and the big plays happen that were that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were living on. The Seattle Seahawks in 2020 ranked outside the top 20 NFL teams in explosive pass rate allowed. So passes of 15 plus yards allowed and also outside the top 20 in pressure rate. And would you say this defense improved? No. No, it's it's <laughs> taken a step back. This defense is taking a step back. That's yeah. the concern I have. Like I, people were already concerned about Seattle's defense last year and they've lost talent. So I think their fatal fly is that defense. Obviously, Russell Wilson creates this floor. I think projecting at nine and a half wins, a lot of that is Russell Wilson being a damn good quarterback in the NFL, a top six, top five quarterback. When also, you know, when, when he's firing on all cylinders, he's got the receiving core to do it. But he's going to have to score a lot of fucking points. Yeah, and they're going to have to throw the football a decent amount to to get over this ten wins. I think I'm leaning under here as well. I'm under. I am under on the ten. There you go. San Francisco 49ers next. This one's interesting. I was talking to Neil Hornsby, friend of the show about are they going to run this kind of two-quarterback approach? Are you going to see some Jimmy G and then Trey Lance and high-level situations? Could it be something like we saw with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, obviously, before this season in New Orleans? That's an interesting concept. They're the power rank, the 10th best team. Everyone has talked to – everyone their mother. My mother actually DM'd me – not DM'd me, fuck. <laughs> texted me last night and said, do you think she the – I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to see positive injury regression this year. If I hear that again, I, it's, it's a known fucking fact. Okay, positive. Everyone knows you're going to see better. You know, they're, they they're, do have guys with quote-unquote injury-prone labels, though, at key positions. You know, Nick Bosa. Also, the tightness of the hams. Has, has firmly received the injury-prone label with good reason. Trent Williams has almost you know played very few full Jason seasons. Brett. Jason Brett. Obviously, and then Jimmy G. Like you have, those are four key guys at four probably the most valuable positions in the NFL. Could even throw Debo Samuel into that mix too. That injuries are a real mm -hmm. concern with those guys, with given their history. Regardless, the, a lot of people are talking about San Francisco 49ers being better with injuries this year because yeah. of how bad it was last year. Yeah, they're projected at 9.4 wins according to PFF, the 10th ranked team according to PFF. Their win total is actually the same as the Los Angeles Rams. Now, if you ask me, I think the Rams are a better football team than the Niners. I think the Rams are a better football team than the Niners. As much as I just said, I don't think they go over 10 and a half wins. So to see the 49ers at the same win total according to Vegas, I think it's surprising. Their playoff odds at 54%. This is another team where I'm going under. I, I don't think there's 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 a lot. I think specifically with Jimmy Garoppolo, where I just don't believe him as a 10 win quarterback. I, or, or maybe I do, but I don't believe him as an 11-win quarterback. I, I go back and forth on this because, one, you're, if Nick Bosa is healthy, like this is one of the best defense lines in the NFL. Um, and two, this is sneakily, it doesn't get talked about a ton, but like one of the best groups of playmakers in the NFL. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, all have speed, Trace all have over. dynamic after the catch, all can line up just about anywhere you want and be productive. Like they have a versatile offense. And then you basically make Kyle Shanahan a kid in the candy store with what they can all do. And, and now I think he wanted Trey Lance to also be in that mix of a versatile being able to, you know, run a bunch of different things with him, but he's just not ready yet. It didn't look ready in the preseason. So it's going to be, I think Jimmy G, but even with Jimmy G shit, they made a Super Bowl. like they, they and yeah, he, you know, Sort of the Rams with Jared Bowl, Goff. But, but like they, that offense that year was 
a force to be reckoned with. So they is could that be defense? in a number of different ways. Yeah, they're both on both sides of the ball. So I do think that, and again, they have more playmakers this year than they did that year. So I do think, I go back and forth, but again, a team that's too risky with the things that could go wrong that I will just lean under 10 and a half as well on this. If you, this is obviously hyperbolic or hypothetical. If I could guarantee you Jimmy G plays all 17 games, how many wins do they have? And if I could guarantee you Trey Lance plays all 17 games, how many wins do they have? Shit, that's just... I don't think it changes that much. Really? Honestly. And it's not its not like him playing all 17 games. It's more Nick Bosa, especially yeah. Jason Barrett, Trent Williams. Like it's, it's, all, it's a combination of all of those guys that what could go wrong there. I do, I do like the 49ers, though, in this division. And if I had to pick one, they might be the team that I do pick. All right, last team here, Arizona Cardinals. Tied for 15th in PFS power rankings, projected at 8.5 wins, and Vegas has their total at eight and a half wins. Playoffs at 41%, 16th best odds in the NFL. You are punting on the other line here. You're punting on who are you punting on? The Chargers, nine and a half. I'm punting on Arizona Cardinals, eight and a half. I don't know what the fuck this team's gonna do. Yeah. I I I think there's so many question marks with this offense, and there's so much firepower, but it's yet to live up to potential. And defensively, that quarterback room is scary, like you said. I, however, yeah. projecting an Arizona Cardinals team that should have the horses to be a at least a nine win team to yeah. go under eight and a half wins just doesn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, it's got a nice front seven. Like you, you, you have guys that can put pressure on the quarterback, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones. You have an interesting linebacking core that I'm kind of very excited to see how they're deployed. And Isaiah Simmons, David Collins, the youngest and highest drafted linebacking core in the NFL right now. And you have playmakers now kind of on the outside giving Rondell Moore to Kyler Murray as well. But I just, I don't trust Cliff Cliff to, to make it all fit. You going to disrespect AJ green like that? Yes, absolutely. And I I think the reason for that is, and I know we don't make too much of the preseason, but I didn't, and maybe he was just, he's saving his fucking bag of tricks for the regular season, but I still saw a lot of the same concerns with his offense. No, even when Kyler Murray was playing, he didn't play a ton. The sample sample size was small. And I get that. But it still didn't look any that different. And if it yeah. doesn't look different again, with all you could give him fucking DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. Like, I just don't think it's going to work out. Like, it has to be more vertical. They have to chase more explosive plays. Or it's just not, they're not going to put up enough points to be a, you know, a, a yeah. good in this division, let alone in the conference. Yeah, you punt on this line. I will also be punting on this line because I believe in Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is talented enough to sit atop this division once all said and done. I just, again, I don't believe in Cliff. A new partner to Tailgate, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate brand out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is in the middle of a big new Saturday, season two, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. They just recently released Georgia, Wisconsin, and Florida, but this Saturday we've got the North Carolina Tar Heels. The Tar Heels gear looks sick. I'm waiting for them to come out with some Penn State gear. There's a lot of stuff I would like. I have the San Diego State gear I also love. Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF for 15% off. Get ready for college football tailgate season. We are on to week one. Oh, yeah. We are previewing every game. We're getting picks on every game. And we're going to be horrendous. Uh, probably. That's fair. Uh, picking, picking against Vegas is hard. Getting to 51% would be legendary. But we're going to do it. Let's start with the Cowboys. This Uh, line has been just a sensational watch to follow. Like, I cannot believe it's already out to eight and a half. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, reigning Super Bowl champs at home, I get it, 
are favored by eight and a half points over the team that's supposed to win the fucking NFC East. <laughs> yeah. Can you uh, imagine? I had this conversation today. Can you imagine if they played? I know the NFL will never do this. But can you imagine if they played the Texans at home week one? Would this line be 20? Would this line be? Would this line be? You know, because you never see NFL yeah. spreads this wide, yeah. let alone against the Dallas Cowboys teams. I'm I'm to the point the where yeah. I might want to bet Dallas if this thing gets to ten, which some people think it will by kickoff. I'm betting Dallas, but at this point, I still believe in in Tampa Bay. Fifty four percent of the cash bet so far this week on this game is on Tampa Bay. Fifty seven percent of the tickets. Like a lot of people see them winning this football game, and that's reflected in the spread. Yeah, I'd go Dallas. Uh, spread spread was. I'd okay. let it climb to whatever it's going to climb to. They go Dallas before kick because. I mean, the Bucks. The Bucks covered eight and a half, seven times last year in the regular season, and and those were not against you know. Very rarely was that against the good teams that they played. Like that eight and a half is a monster line against a good team. Like shit can happen. Balls can bounce differently. That that is a tough cover against a team with one of the most complete offenses in the NFL. And now the biggest, the deciding factor, and why I'm still rolling with the Bucks to win, is that no Zach Martin, Vita Vea. Dom Kinsu against that interior line of Tyler Biotish, Connor Williams, and shit, whoever they're throwing at right guard now. That's going to be, it's not going to be good. It's not going to end well for Dallas. But you still have a three deep wide receiver. You still have Ezekiel. You still have the be- one of the best tackle duos in the NFL. Like you still have enough that they should be able to run their offense to where, yeah, that, that one's just too high for me. I'm picking the Bucks to win. Cowboys to cover. You're going to be highlighting the deciding factor in all of these games. I'm going to be highlighting what should be fun to watch, just yes, so we us. have some some enjoyment here. I'm I'm also picking the Bucks to win, and honestly, I'm picking the Bucks to cover. I'm not. I'm siding with Vegas. There's so many people. I, I mean, this line is moving for a reason. I'm all in on the Bucks, and I'm not rooting for Dallas and Dak. First game back after injury to cover this line, but the fun to watch is what should be a top five offense in the NFL. I'll say it. If Dak Prescott is healthy, 100. percent with this offense, this offensive line, especially when Zach Martin gets back, I know he's not playing in this game, which should be a top five offense in the NFL going against a top five defense. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a legit top five defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Dak Prescott went healthy with these receivers. They're a top five offense. That is going to be fun as hell to watch. I'm excited to see all of this unfold. We got to see a combination of Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert in the preseason. Let's see Dak Prescott under center. Let's see Zeke and these 10, 15 pounds he's lost over the offseason in the backfield. This is going to be a very hashtag fun to watch Dallas Cowboys offense. And they're going against an absolute juggernaut. Joe Tryon, Chayanka, JJ, uh, JJ, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, the secondary. Their worst corner is better than all of the Jets quarterbacks combined. It's going to be a really, really good game. Okay, wait. I haven't... When did Joe Tryon change his name? And like, what was the backstory behind this? Do I don't know? know the backstory. I just know he changed it. Just so all of a sudden people started calling him Shoyinka or whatever. No. Yeah, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka. And I'm just like... Where'd that come from? It's similar to Odafe. I, I, I heard Odafe like declare it, but did Tryon declare it? Something. Yeah, point? it's on the back of his jersey. I, I need to look at this. All right, give, go give, it give, give it the time. Give it the time. Game. Let's. One p.m. This is one of my favorite bets. Jets at Panthers. This line opened up at plus four for the Jets. It's now at plus five and a half. So Panthers favored by five and a half. I am picking the Jets to win this game, and I'm picking them to cover this number. I believe in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I know this offensive line stinks. I know defensively we don't know any cornerbacks. On the back end, they don't, they don't have a lot of experience or a lot of talent in the cornerback room. I still think this Jets seems good enough to go to Sam Darnold's house and beat the Carolina Panthers. As bad as this Jets cornerback room is, and as bad, as good as this you know, Panthers receiving core is, I think the Jets end up winning this one outright. Oh, I got the Panthers to cover five and a half. Fair enough. I, 
with no Carl Lawson, no one to take necessarily advantage of that weak left side of the offensive line. Now, they still will, but it's not going to be as dominant. It's not going to bring them to their knees as much. But this is a top five wide receiver group against, again, one of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL. That's that's the deciding factor. I think that's fair. I think, you know, I think I've been, yeah. I bet early on the Jets at plus four and have been upset that it's moved to five and a half. <laughs> <clears throat> And I continue to lay money on the Jets. I yeah. believe in Zach Wilson. I believe, I believe in Robert Sala. I think the fun to watch is going to be Sam Darnold versus Zach Wilson. The overreactions from this game. It's perfect. First take, get up, all those shows are going to be absolutely incredible. NFL really outdid themselves with this week one slate. It's, it's a fantastic week one slate. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun watch. It's going to be a fun reaction game. If Zach Wilson wins, Sam Darnold's going to get absolutely buried. But if Sam Darnold wins, they're like, oh, maybe they should have traded him. All this fucking crazy shit. It's going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo Bills. This is an interesting one. Yeah. Bills are favored by six and a half at home over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll say this. My fun to watch is Steelers exceeding low expectations. I think Steelers, we've we've, we've talked about it a little bit. Sam Monson wrote the article on PFF.com, have gotten to a point where they're underrated. Mm Mm-hmm. As bad as Big Ben was last year, as much as we're expecting this defense not to be as good as last year with the losses of you know Bud Dupree, among others, I still think the Steelers team isn't a touchdown dog to the Buffalo Bills. I do like how, though, we're like, the Steelers, are, they're underrated now, actually, when we just dogged them for six months. We're like, Steelers, like, making jokes left and right. Well, it's they like, did. They weren't as good as they were as their record last year. Yeah. Yeah, they were overrated last year towards the end of the year, and then uh, people started. But then, but then it kind of... We kind of piled on, piled on, piled on. And now it's like, oh, wait, who's, well, you guys are underrating them when it was like, we, we kind of we kind of add to that. So I, I will say, I, I agree. They are, not, they are still a very good football team. They're still an, an exceptional defensive line. But the deciding factor to me, the biggest mismatch, is Jerry Hughes going up against a rookie fourth-round tackle. And now Dan Moore could exceed expectations, but he's still a rookie fourth-round tackle. That, that's a problem. I don't care how you're going to slice it. So I, I like the Bills to win, not necessarily to cover. I'd probably lay off that line six and a half is a lot. I don't know if I would touch this line because you want to get through a key number there. You want it on seven or seven and a half before you start to bet the Steelers. I think they're a teaser opportunity if you want to tease them down to a half point, making a pick them. You can maybe even tease it with that Bucks line to get them down to two and a half. I don't want to talk teasers all night long, but still, I think there's opportunity on that, but I'm not touching them at six and a half. I do think that the Bills win this football game. But the Steelers, I think, a little bit undervalued being six-and-a-half-point dogs in week one. Jaguars-Texans yep. is next. I said this on the last show. The Texans are only three-point dogs. No, two-and-a-half last two and time dead. I checked. Now it's three. Now it's three again. Three-point dogs it's moving hard. to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars are on the road, so Vegas is assuming a six-point edge for the Jaguars because you're rooting in this three-point um, home field advantage. Do you think I single-handedly swayed that line? You might have. You I'm might kidding. have single-handedly swayed that line. But What's my, the deciding factor in this game? <laughs> I wrote my deciding factor here is that the Texans suck. That's my deciding factor. It's a, it's a disaster of a roster, and they're literally selling it off for parts right now. They're like, hey, take this. Give us anything in return. For Roby? What, you want to give me anything for Roby? I'll take it. It's like a guy who stole a car and is just trying to chop it up. It's basically what this Texans roster looks like right now. My mom has done that multiple times. <laughs> a, a girl that could do it, too. Yeah. I didn't want to be gender biased. A I'm woman. Sorry. Yeah. Um, with the Texans, I do think that I've I've bet the Texans money line and I've bet the Texans plus three. I I think that the narrative has been absurd. Like Andrew Brandt right now, who just I, said no, that. no. I, I'll say this: the Texans stink. The Texans are the worst team in the NFL. But I'm interested. I'm interested in seeing what this looks like. And I also think Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. I've said this a thousand times, and you even said this too. 
Hitting the ground running is easier said than done. Hitting the ground running in a full sprint is easier said than done. And as bad as this team is, it's a bunch of misfits. It's Shane Falco out there with the replacements, a bunch of guys trying to prove people wrong. I'm in on the Houston Texans. I like them plus three. I like the money line. Good for you. Good to enjoy <laughs> And I'll say this enjoy too. Enjoy what? Enjoy that one. And I'll say this too. I'll Where would you rank the Jaguars smut. defense? Where would you rank the Jaguars defense in the NFL? Give me a range. Bottom 10. Bottom 10. This is a low bar to clear. If they don't show up, that's my fun to watch. If the Jacksonville Jaguars defense with a lot of, you know, Josh Allen has to look better. Texans are bottom three, though. I know. I, I didn't say the Texans were yeah, good. I said, the, but yeah. I'm saying, I mean, it's, you know, with Jaguars, you know, there's some people who are picking up plus 650 to win the South, all the shit. This defense better look good. If this defense doesn't look good against Houston, Terod Taylor yeah. mops them up for 300 yeah. plus. That's going to be, that's going to be scary hours. Yeah. All right. Seahawks at Colts. Colts are two and a half point home dogs. But Carson Wentz is playing. And Quinn Nelson, I think, is playing. Is this an area where you like Seattle or you don't like Seattle? Two and a half point favorites on the road. I can't believe I'm saying this. No, you're going Indy. Indy. Sick bastard. Straight up, spread it however you want to chop that. <laughs> what? I mean, straight up and spread. All right. Obviously, because they're two and a half point dogs. Any way you want to slice it, I think Indy takes this one. Obviously, their home field advantage will be more of a factor this year than it was last year. It was pretty much non-existent last year. I think it will be a thing. But the deciding factor, in my eyes, the Colts are well-versed in the two deep. They are a they are one of the heaviest cover two teams in the NFL. They run two deep. They put caps on opposing offenses to make you beat them with a 1,000 paper cuts. That is their defense. It's one of the best defense in the NFL. That's their bread and butter. Bring back pretty much everyone from a year ago that does that. Like They are well-versed in the scheme. And I just said it with the Seahawks preview. That's where you're going to see more against the Seahawks. That's what they saw more later on towards the second half of last year. And that's how you stop 4-3 DK Metcalf, 4-4 Tyler Lockett, two of the best youth threats in the NFL. I think that's kind of going to be the blueprint. And the Colts are you uniquely qualified to execute that. I'm going with Seattle. I like Seattle minus 2.5. I like them on the money line. I think they're going to win this football game. Um, I think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback. I think that's ultimately what matters. I also think a lot has to go right for the Colts. A lot, a lot has to happen quickly. You know, Carson Wentz has to you know perform above expectation very quickly. Coming off an injury, I think Seattle, yes, on the road, wins this football game, and I like them against the spread. What's your fun to watch? watch. I think the start of the Carson Wentz era. There's going to be a is, lot of overreactions is, to this game. Gonna it's going to be a lot. Like Carson, you're going to come out of this game if Carson Wentz plays well. I mean. I guarantee you, people, someone will pick him as an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Dan Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky loves Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz throws for 400 yards on the Seattle Seahawks, as bad as that defense is, there will be people picking him for MVP and comeback player of the year. I think the other piece, the other piece too, is Dan Orlovsky will 1,000% be picking him for MVP. This Seahawks defense has very low expectations. If they even look average against the Colts, I think it will surprise a lot of people. I think that's an overreaction I'm looking for. There you go. Cardinals at Titans. Titans favored by three. Dare I say it? This is one of my hammer games. I like Titans minus three, and I'm going to stick to it. They're home. They're home. They're home and only three-point favorites over the Cardinals. I think... I love Titans minus three. I think Titans minus three is one of my favorite picks this week. Yeah. you got... Like, we talked about the... The Cardinals can maybe get by with a pass rush with that secondary. But Tennessee Titans know better than any other team in the NFL. 36%. 36.4% of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks last year came off play action, the highest rate of any quarterback in the league. That if you're running that boot action, pass rush just isn't going to get home. You're going to give Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, 
time to cook down the football field. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown time to cook down the football field against the secondary of Byron Murphy, of Robert Alford. Disaster for Cardinals. Uh, Marco just, Wilson take out. It's yeah, going to be tough. It's, it's not going to be good. That's, that's, I think, a number of big plays. I wouldn't be surprised if Brown and Julio both go over 100. I think my fun to watch is definitely Todd Downing. I know I shit on him on the last episode. Yeah, you did. I think seeing what he you does. I and... hate that guy. <laughs> I would hate to see you in a room with Todd Downing. How'd that go down? <laughs> um, you know, I think how much this offense looks like Arthur Smith's offense is going to be interesting from a play action rate perspective, how often they throw on early downs. I want to see all those. And then Cliff Kingsbury, show the fuck up, brother. This Titans defense is not supposed to be all that great. I need to see some life. I need to see DeAndre go for 150. And Car- like, why not? Why? When are we going to stop making excuses for Cliff? If he, I'll tell you right now, week one overreaction, if this offense looks like butt. Ooh, who do you hate more, Clifford or Todd Downing? I think they might be both in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chargers at football FMK. team. Uh, for Officially my picks, Titans minus three. Titans yes, win that football game. One of my favorite games this week, Los Angeles Chargers at Washington football team. Home dog. They're one-point dogs, the Washington football team. You will tell me the deciding factor, but this is going to be... There's so many reasons this will be fun to watch. Asante Samuel Jr., the rookie out of Florida State, is named the starting outside cornerback today. You got Derwin James back healthy. Justin Herbert is going to be a roller coaster ride of emotions and storylines throughout the season. Every single game, people will be picking him for either MVP or regression. It's going to be a fucking sick-ass week one game. Yep, exactly. One of my favorites. Deciding factor. I know, I know I'm going to sound... I'm going to be that, the Mark, who, you know, doesn't recognize that it's that cross-country game, 1 p.m. start, where, you know, you're not supposed to bet the West Coast team in those situations. I'm going to say Chargers. It's Derwin's back. And even though their offense line is built on an Indian burial ground, not yet. They're still <laughs> healthy now. They're still, uh, you got one game. You got one game of them healthy, maybe a, maybe a few drives before Brian Balaga's whatever gives way. Because the, that offside obviously isn't going to stay healthy for 16 games. But 17. you're healthy right now. Or 16. <laughs> or two. I like, I like the Chargers to win this game. I like them to chart, cover the one-point spread. Have you been getting in on this hype that the Washington football team is overvalued? No. No? Do you think they're overvalued? No. I think I, did I go over on their line. I can't remember. I think, it did. I, like, I think it's a damn good football team. And I think they've massively upgraded the quarterback position. Have you read they were the awful last year? They were shit at quarterback last year. The quote unquote eight finalists for the name for the Washington football team. Ooh, that was they. They weren't actual finalists though. But yeah, I, they, whatever. Yeah. Do you have a favorite in mind? Uh, Red Hogs Red has Hawks to be it. Cool. Red yeah. Hogs has to be it. Yeah. All right, Minnesota Vikings at Bengals. Bengals are only three and a half point dogs. Quinn, only three and a half point dogs. And I still really like the Vikings. <laughs> I still really like the Vikings to come into Cincinnati and whop them up. There has not been a single positive report, positive sign of fucking life for this Cincinnati offense. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow did not, like, I mean, he has not looked all that great. He did not play a lot, obviously, in the preseason. The Jamar Chase drops. Did you see that Jamar Chase said some of it was because he doesn't see the white stripes on the ball anymore? Because college, they have the white stripes on the sides, and NFL, oh. they don't? He said... Dude, this is bad. This is not good. Maybe he's like um, Jameis at the wide receiver position. Oh, he just dude, can't see, get and lazy. he'll get his eyes corrected. You're not even if that's out. true. Dude, they might need to that. paint white lines on the Bengals' balls. I don't know, but there's I, there's just not Man's enough kids. positivity coming out of Cincy. <laughs> not enough positivity coming out of Cincy for me to even touch the Bengals, even at plus three and a half. I think I like the Vikings and I like them to cover. That's the thing. It's like beat reporters make money off of positivity, off of spewing like, yeah, rah, rah, you get more NFL clicks, content more makes money off of positivity. positivity exactly. Yeah. 
So when you're getting negativity out of a training camp, out of something, that means it's really been bad. Yeah. So that's scary. Uh, my deciding factor is the Bengals just aren't going to be able to run the ball in this game. You got Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson just farting all over those guards and centers for the Bengals. What? OBJ doesn't play in this game. That's, he's he's got to do a little bit more than farting to want to come to Cincinnati for this weekend. But I don't want you to ever use farting as a verb again. I might. But they're just not going to be able to run the ball. So it's going to be all on Joe Burrow. One first game back after gruesome knee injury. I just don't think I just don't think he's going to hit the ground running beat that guy right at the gate. My fun to watch is, I put in all caps, this should be a top 12 offense come on. And I'm looking at Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. It's time. I want to see life. Yeah. There I mean, are I no more excuses. I, I, I have seen more tweet graphics, fucking videos, whatever, about this trio of receivers and Joe Mixon that Cincinnati has and Joe Burrow entering year two than probably any other offense in the NFL. I mean, people are talking about this trio like that Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Let's see it. We need to see this offense show life. And I'm not even asking for Buck, Buck, Buccaneers level of expectations. Top 12. This Bengals offense should be a top 12 offense. And if it's not, I'm calling out Zach Taylor. I'm calling him out. Who do I hate more? Todd Downing, Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor. It's hard to say. You got a watch list. We got to be like the, what was it, Billy Madison? Where yeah. You got the <laughs> people to kill list. People to kill. All right. Well, you talk about scary things. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? However difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Back by over 130 years of experience together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. On to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is one of, you're not going to surprise you, Eric Eager and George Chahuri's favorite bets. I already heard Eric put more money on this one. Falcons favored by three against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Where are you at there? It's got to be the Falcons. Like they're as much as it is. The sign factor to me is that you, you can't. The Eagles just don't have the passing offense to take advantage of the weakness that is the Falcons' pass defense. That's that's where the Falcons are going to give up gobs and gobs of yards and points this year is through the air. But it's, that's that can be the Eagles' strength, it's not Jalen Hurts' strength, and uh, you know Devon Smith love them. It's still the, or the receiving core is still a little suspect. So. That is the deciding factor. I like the Falcons in this one. Although I will say, Jalen Mayfield starting at left guard is giving me a little pause. That's not That might not be great. Well, this not. Falcons offensive line, when we talked about their win total, it's what's giving us pause. I mean, this Falcons offensive line is a you know, bottom five unit. Yeah, And they, defensively... They, they did the classic. Let's fix it overnight through one draft. Let's draft Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry in the first round. And, and now Lindstrom's been good. McGarry... Not quite as much, and that's the risky run, thinking that that one all in there is going to fix it. Relying on rookies, second-year guys, is more often than not not as sweet as it looks. Fun to watch for me was Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. I'm asking. No, maybe I'm begging the Atlanta Falcons to throw at least 22 passes to both of them combined. I want at least 22 passes combined, so 11 11 is fine. You don't want However, a big target share for Olamide Zacchaeus? No. I want those two players on that football team to have at least 22 targets combined. I don't ask for a lot. I don't ask for a lot. That's what I want. That's going to be the fun to watch thing. 4 p.m. slate kicks off. Dolphins at Patriots. Patriots favored by three. I think this is another sneaky good game to watch. Two really good defenses. Obviously, you have the connection between Brian Flores and Bill Belichick. You got a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones with high expectations. Tua Tungavailoa, not a captain, but with high expectations for the Miami Dolphins. I'm laying off this game. I'm not touching it from a betting perspective. If I had to pick a winner, I do think the Patriots win at home. But man, I think it's gonna. This is gonna be a fucking good game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think the deciding factor 
I'm going to pick the Dolphins in this one. It's just you have a rookie quarterback. And wow. I, don't, I don't care how good Mac Jones looked going up against Brian Flores' coach defense. The cover, the cover zero king himself. He's going to throw the kitchen sink at you from a blitz perspective. And it's just a lot to deal with in your very first taste compared to basically what Mac Jones was seeing. And now Bill Belichick knows that. And I'm sure their scout team is going to basically have Brian Flores' playbook throwing at him through the course of the week. But there's no quite simulation about what the versus what the Dolphins are capable of throwing at you with that secondary. I, I honestly think it's a good pick. I picked the Patriots. You picked the Dolphins. This is going to be a tough game. Yeah. I think that's a good highlight that, you know, Mac Jones versus Brian Flores, who was in my fun to watch segment here. I think Mac Jones versus him is going to be great. I also think these are two really, really good defenses with a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Dante Hightower is back and he's a captain. Mac Jones isn't. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a really, really good game, a really good way to kick off the 4 p.m. slate. And so will this one. Browns at Chiefs. Chiefs favored by five and a half. I like the Chiefs and I like them to cover. But, but the fun to watch for me is this is massive for three people. Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, and Odell Beckham Jr. Mm -hmm. If OBJ goes over 100, Baker Mayfield grades out above 80, you could start, you can continue to talk about the Cleveland Browns as a dark horse Super Bowl contender, even if they lose this fucking football game by mm -hmm. five and a half or more. But if they don't, and this offense looks clunky, and you don't see that step forward, you're gonna. I'm gonna be slamming the brakes on a lot of this Super Bowl conversation. And I know you don't want to overreact to Week One, but man, that has to work well. And this is a really good Week One test going against obviously you know the the reigning Super Bowl attendees mm -hmm. of the AFC. I will pick the Chiefs to win, but I'd stay away. I'm stay away from five and a half. It's a gross number. Deciding factor being that Odell Beckham is back, which. I don't know if that's a good thing for the Browns. You've yeah, been we've saying talked this for about too long. this. I've been saying it for too long because the data backs me up on it. Because it has been. It, it has not been a good thing when he's been on the football field with Baker Mayfield. It has not worked out. So that, to me, I will just, again, it's one of those things. I'll believe it when I see it, and I don't know it for sure. So in week one, I'll just stay away from it. I refuse to believe Odell Beckham Jr. makes the Browns worse. I refuse. I don't care what day you throw at me. I'm, I'm being kind of a dick. But it's, I, I don't, it's not that, I mean, it's again, it's not his fault. It's probably, I mean, it's Baker Mayfield's fault. If I'd it's say it's Kevin Stefanski's fault. fault. It's a combination of both their faults. It's probably Baker's fault. Whatever. But Packers at Saints, moving off that game. You like the Chiefs, but not to cover. Packers at Saints. Saints are three and a half point home dogs. But not home. Jacksonville dogs. They're in Jacksonville. So they're Jacksonville dogs, which you hate to see. I think the Packers roll in this one. I like the Packers to win and to cover. I think the most fun to watch thing will be. They don't have a really good receiving core. You've called it one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL with Michael Thomas out. And also, like, what is this Jameis-Taysom yeah. Hill split going to look like? We saw a decent percentage of Taysom Hill splits or snaps when Drew Brees was starting. With Jameis, do you see a higher percentage, and does this offense suffer because of it? Yeah, I, I like the Packers a lot in this game. One of my favorite lines because, one, not being in the Superdome is a massive difference. Uh, that is basically home field is almost gone at that point when you're at, what, TIA Bank or whatever it is in Jacksonville. Probably a lot more Pack fans going to be in the house for that one. And the deciding factor is Zen Rogers, the the at peace Aaron Rodgers that we saw all off season. I, I think he's going to tear. I think he's like the world. <laughs> I think it's going to be. I don't think back that's a crazy bet. MVP sort of caliber years for Aaron Rodgers because I just think he's mentally on a plane that mo the most people can't get to right now. I definitely am not going to be one that's <laughs> betting against Aaron Rodgers in 2021. I think he's going to be as good, if not better, somehow. Yeah. And he was last year. He's the highest graded quarterback in all of football, obviously the MVP of the league. 
And I don't, I don't think they hold that much worth on either side, worse on either side of the ball to bet against, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use it. Zen Rogers. I like them to cover three and a half and I like them to win this football game. Two more games or no, three more games left here before we jump. The Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. Giants are three point home dogs against Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos. Talk about the shit of the league. I mean, this this <laughs> this is bad. Dude. I know, right? This this shows you how low Vegas thinks of the Giants. Three point home dogs against the Broncos? Yeah. That's scary, man. I I wanted to bet the Giants. Like home dogs when these are fairly evenly matched teams, but just the fact that Kenny Galladay hampering injury, Kadarius Tony hampering injury. What's this receiving core going to look like week one? And now Kadarius Tony reportedly going to have a big role week one, but he's the kind of guy that you need rapport with the way he runs routes. He is not the crisp by the book route runner that can easily build, you know, like I said, a rapport with your quarterback. And those guys going up against one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I just I fail to see how the Giants score a ton of points, and I I don't think the Broncos score a ton of points either. Mm-hmm. But when in that matchup, I'll gladly take their chance of scoring more than the Giants. I'll take the Denver Broncos to win, but I am not betting on this game. This thing's going to be a mud dog fest. I don't think either team's going to look all that impressive. I think the Giants' defense has some dogs as well. Um, I, I'm not touching this game from a betting perspective, but if I had to pick a winner, I'll side with the favorite, the road favorite, the Denver Broncos. I believe this is at 42 points, the lowest uh, total under total of the weekend. Wow. Rightfully so. And even still, I might lean under. Fair enough. Sunday night football. Chris will be calling the game. Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams, talk about hype, brother. Seven and a half point favorites over the Chicago Bears. Are you buying into that? Yeah. Well, at least in this one, because mm-hmm. I'm very much selling the Bears this year with that offensive line. I wrote here toilet paper OTs, <laughs> um, which is what it looks like when you're sending out, you know, what they're sending out at offense tackle. Now, Jason Peters, uh, if he is healthy and playing, could still be okay at damn near 40 years old. But Tremaine Affetti on the other side, uh, I, I just don't see that necessarily ending well and, and in, the interiors are strength but it doesn't matter because Aaron Donald beats everybody mm-hmm. like uh, they, you're still not stopping Aaron Donald I don't care who you are as a guard so that's still going to be a mismatch there so yeah I, I like I like the Rams seven and a half is a lot but I still like the Rams cover even that line I, I like the Rams to win this football game we've talked about the Bears a ton on this podcast I don't love their chances of winning football games or putting up a ton of points offensively with Andy Dalton under center I think this is another teaser opportunity so teasing this down six points Around one and a half to get through the key number seven, key number three. You could tease that with some of the other games I've talked about, Tampa Bay at eight and a half. Um, but I, I don't really like them at seven and a half. I think that's not a number I want to bet through. But still, I like the Rams to win this football game. For all the reasons we've talked about, I mean, the Rams are a much better team. They're the sixth ranked team according mm-hmm. to PFS power rankings. Ravens, Raiders will close out week one. Raiders, four point dogs, and the first opportunity they'll have to play in a full Death Star mm-hmm. in Vegas. And honestly, I think that four number's low. This Ravens offense is going to put it in Ooh. Raiders defense. And I you, I know you have here the deciding factor is gap discipline. Yeah. I think that's leaning on the Raiders for sure. But I, I, I just don't think this Raiders defense has enough to even limit, let alone hold, stop Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. I think you know this total is at 51, and I kind of like the over, honestly, because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Both offenses should, be, should perform well, but I think the Ravens perform better. They can honestly put up 40. Yeah, you got guys... Or gap discipline because obviously the Ravens, calling card, run game, 
all the shit they throw at you there. You got guys in Jonathan Abram, Corey Littleton, Yannick Ngakwe, who are going to be in that front seven because obviously uh, Gus Bradley's scheme, eight-man box most of the time, that's going to be Abram in that strong safety role. The gap discipline that those guys play with and like the, the way they add on the run game is going to be an issue against a team that like the Ravens, like they are going to be problematic. I wouldn't even be surprised if Yannick Ngakwe doesn't play that many snaps given like who they're facing. So... Yeah, with that in mind, I'm leaning the Ravens heavily, even though it's four line on the roads against a solid team. I still lean Ravens. Yeah, I like the Ravens to cover the four number. I like the Ravens to win. I even thinking about that over at 51. Monday Night Football will be a great way to close out the week one slate. Before we jump to our prospect primer, going to highlight three prospects to watch this weekend, then also our mailbag. Going to shout out Manscaped. Fantasy football draft season upon us. I want to give a shout out to the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming just launched a new performance package 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by join, by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF. This will help you tame that Troy Polamalu in your pants. Inside their performance package 4.0, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. The performance package 4.0 also includes the Wee Whacker. It's like having Derrick Henry run through those nose and ears hairs. Get 20% off free shipping and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. If you're not trimming your boys down low with the performance package 4.0, you're losing. You're literally losing. You're taking L's. I thought you were going to go for a little bit more rhymes, not just one there, but... You didn't like that? I mean, you like well, the I did, one but rhyme. I thought the one it was going to be good. like a full like nursery rhyme. All right, let's go ahead and get into now this prospect primer. Three big games this weekend, starting with well, the one we'll be at. Chris yeah. Olave, Garrett Wilson, the two started receivers, wide receiver one and wide receiver two on PFF's draft board, going against the number 12 team in the country, Oregon. I know they're 14 and a half point dogs on the road, but still, I, this is going to be the matchup to watch, not just because we're there, because these are two talented receivers going against Michael Wright and Oregon. Yeah, Michael Wright, just outside the PFF, top 50 on the draft board. Olave Wilson, both inside the top 25. Some speed there, a little bit different secondary than what they saw last week in Minnesota, so that will be a nice matchup for both. The other matchup, Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan edge defender. I think this is matchup of the weekend. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson, legit edge in this 2022 class, also a freaks list member on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, going against Jackson Kirkland, who looked really good despite a disastrous performance for Washington overall against Montana. But this is going to be grab your popcorn, man. Aiden Hutchinson versus Jackson Kirkland of Washington. I think Michigan is favored by six in this game. If you're watching anything, I think it's going to be these two right here if you're if you're interested in the 2022 yeah, NFL two, draft. two top 30 guys, two likely first-round type of guys. Jackson Kirkland, 15 on the PFF board, Hutchinson at 29. Hopefully they get matched up. Good deal. This will also, I'll say this, this will be that game where everyone, when you're you're seeing draft analysts show all 22, in the, in the months leading up in April. It's going to be Aiden Hutchinson versus Jackson Kirkland all day long. So yeah. make sure you watch that game live and get your All-22 where you can find it, if you can find it. Last one here, and then we'll jump to the interviews with Jaquan Brisker, safety of Penn State, and the two Maryland receivers, Rakeem Garrett, Dante Demis, a ton of Big Ten talent at the back end of the show. Brees Hall, Iowa State running back, plus Brock Purdy. And, and one of the cool, a top 10 matchup, Iowa versus Iowa State, Iowa State favored by four and a half at home. I think Brace Hall versus Iowa defense will be good. You got Charlie Kolar, the tight end for Iowa State. A handful of prospects in this game. That should be, you know, this is the first time it's been a top 10 matchup, I think, since the 60s. I think a lot of people are going to be turning into this game. Yeah, and Iowa State, 
don't play a lot of great defenses in the Big 12. I'd say Iowa is a very solid one, at least a well-coached one. So you're going to get a good handle on what these guys bring to the table. That's going to do it. Let's get to these interviews now with Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker. And then the two Maryland receivers, Dante Demis and Rakeem Garrett, join me as well. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker. We've talked about you a ton on this show, my friend. It is fantastic to actually have you in the seat talking on the podcast because we are huge fans of your game, have been since 2020. Now you kick off the 2021 season with an absolute bang. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. We're going to get into the Wisconsin game. We're going to get into this interception. I want to walk through the pre-snap and post-snap of all of that, the injuries, all of that. But before we do so, I have to mention, Mike, my podcast co-host and myself, we're going to be in Happy Valley. We're going to Penn State for the wideout game against Auburn, which I think will be a top 10 matchup by all means. Before we get there, what advice do you have for us touring College Station? What's the best bar? What's the best food? I need it all from Jaquan <laughs> Brisker. Who, who better tour guide than uh, the, the best safety in the country right now? I would say... um. To go to eat um, food, uh, I would say you could eat um, Highway Pub, you know, if you want to get a good pizza or, you know, a hoagie. Or you could go to Bradley Cheese Day. They have good hoagies and um, excellent fries, you know, fresh cut fries. Um, uh, also, what I eat, I would say, hmm, other than that, um, Canyon Wings, they have great wings. All right. Know. I love it. I appreciate you. You're, you're a Pennsylvania guy yourself. What about uh, out in Philly? Are you a Pats guy, a Joe's guy? Or, uh, where, where are you heading out of there? Oh, um, as an NFL fan? No, no. Pats or Geno's, the Philly cheesesteaks. Which one are you heading? Have you been... All from Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You haven't been out to Philly. That's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll move on. But um, to, 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 before we get back to that Wisconsin game, too, um, I, I'd love to talk about kind of the journey you've had to Penn State. You go, you know, you're, you're from Pittsburgh, go to Lackawanna County Community College. Yeah, you have recruit, you're getting recruited from every top blue blood in the country. You end up staying in state to Penn State. How, you know, how much is that journey, which I'm sure, you know, came with a lot of, um, you know, adversity, paved the way for the success you're having now at Penn State? And I guess speak to just all, all that went through you going from high school to Penn State. Um, from high school to Penn State, I would say it was a um, very tough journey, especially um, in high school. You know, uh, I had a little like grading situation, you know, SAT situation. And especially before that, you know, just the passing of, you know, my brother and things like that, you know. So I dealt with a lot during high school. And then, um, you know, Lackawanna, you know, it, it helped me, you know, especially with school, you know, the structure, you know, they had there, you know, it prepared me for school, you know, because due to, you know, when um, I came in, he said, you know, we're going to work on academics, you're going to be a student athlete. And, um, you know, once you know, I went there, you know, I focused on, you know, getting my grades um, done. And then obviously it was tough, you know, in junior college, you know, there's nothing to do. But obviously I didn't go up there to go up to um, party or anything like that. You know, I went up there, you know, with my, I had a mindset, you know, um, get good grades and, you know, do what I got to do on the football field. And that's what I did. And, you know, Coach Duda and the staff, you know, they helped me and they did a very great job um, preparing me. And, um, you know, it was very tough, but at the same time, you know, um, there was, there's always, it's always going to get greater later. So that's always the mindset I had. And um, it was just, it was just, you know, unbelievable. 
I hope you know you are such a role model and have earned a ton of respect from myself and others for what you know, what you've overcome and losing your brother that early to overcome that and, and go through that adversity and have the success you're having now. It's really, really impressive. And I hope you know I appreciate that. You've earned a lot of my respect. And honestly, I think you're becoming a role model in college football. And I think it's uh, it should it should not be glossed over, man. What you've overcome with your brother and all that is is incredible. It's easy to talk about the highlights and Wisconsin, all that stuff. But man, it's bigger than that. And I think you show that. And I think, honestly, I really appreciate the work you're doing. And and the role model that you are. Um, not to get too deep, let's go ahead and move back to this Wisconsin game here, this interception. Honestly, the game-stealing interception late. I know before the game, I saw it in another interview, or before the play, you were talking to Jair. You thought the stick-nod concept was coming. You knew they loved 84. Speak more yeah. to the details there on that game-winning interception and all that went into that play pre-snap and then also post-snap as well. Um, well, pre-snap, I was looking at the sticks. You know, it was... But it was fourth and goal, no first down. So I knew they only had a couple yards to get. And um, it was what they kept going to that three-by-one play. And, um, you know, I felt like, um, you know, if they needed to reach the end zone, it would have to be like a deep throw. You know, mm -hmm. they couldn't beat us with a screen or in, or a slant or anything like that. It had to be like some, like, worth it. So, um, you know, I, I didn't – I had the running back. So uh, – you know, it was just funny because I had the running back, but this play had came up in the spring um, during the season for us. This spring, you know, um, you know, Coach Pratt had called the same play, and I had the running back, but I ended up blitzing, and um, there was a ball caught behind us, you know, by Park Washington. And I just – my coach just said, you know, just – and I remember telling my coach, like, I should have stayed back because I knew I wasn't going to make it. It's, it's the goal line. Yeah. So I knew it's, it's tight in there, so I knew I wasn't going to make it. So, you know, he just said, you know, we both were on the same page. You know, Coach Dex, he just said, you know, trust your instincts. And, um, you know, that – that um, you know, when I was in the game, you know, and they called, you know, that play, I just remember, like, trust your instincts. You know, listen to what your coach said. You know, take it back to your training. So – um, once the running back blocked, um, I knew I was going to make it there in time. And I just looked at the quarterback. He looked at 84. And I already had favor 84 because I'm like, I know the running back's going to block. So, um, like, I just kind of, like, went over him, like, so he wouldn't release. And then, you know, I just walked myself into the interception. And, you know, and then you seen the rest. That is fantastic. Knowing that, you know, running back stays in the block, maybe normally in, a, in, a, in another area of the field, maybe you do send the blitz, maybe you do go after the quarterback, but in that area of the field, on fourth and goal, you stay back, you make the interception, you you honestly win that game for Penn State. It's fantastic stuff. How much of, you know, how much of that do you feel is in, you know, I guess speak more to your film study and how much you put work in in the film room and what you look for and what you key on and how much, you know, the coaches there at Penn State have helped you in that area? Um, I would say um, – it um transferred a lot, you know, especially you know, I was watching the film on them like the like the whole month or you know, I just kept seeing, you know, they love number eighty four, you know, especially in the goal line, especially that's their, you know, probably their best player on, on their offense. So yeah. Uh, um I knew him and the quarterback had a connection. Then also during the game, you know, while sitting on the sideline, you know, they just kept going to him, you know, when I was um on the sideline, they just kept going to him. Like they try to um, hit him with a stick knot or try to hit him with a stick or try to um, get him with a flare pass. You know, it, it's just all 84. So I, um, so once they kept doing that, I'm like, oh, they gonna keep going. You know, it's working, so why not? So um, that, I had that in my head. And then, um, you know, Penn State, you know, they helped me film-wise because, um, 
you know, the coaches, you know, also said that, you know, so don't re-emphasizing, you know, 84-84 or, you know, just give me little tips on, like, the quarterback of his eyes or things like that, you know. It helped me a lot in the film room, and it, it translated to the field. So um, I feel like they um, prepared me a lot in the film room, and, you know, I got things done. You know, a lot of people will highlight the interception as one of the biggest plays in that game. But honestly, going back and watching your tape, I thought you were equally, if not more impressive as a run defender, you know, consistently playing inside the box and, and sticking your nose in there against a very good running football team. Wisconsin, that offensive line, those running backs is a very good offense. You know, what what's your approach to run defense? You know, you talk to a lot of off ball players or box players. They talk about mentality and physicality and taking on blocks. You're listed at what? Six foot one, 200, and you're sticking your nose in there like you're 250. How much of that is mentality and how much of that is just, you know, playing your keys? Um, mentality wise, you know, I just always think, you know, just be physical. You know, um, I love tackling, you know, I feel like, um, I'm like a, uh, old generation guy, you know, I, I am, you know, I, that's how I came up. You know, I love hitting, I love tackling, you know, um, I watch players like, you know, Sean Taylor and people like that. And I watched my brothers, you know, um, you know, growing up and, um, just watching how physical they were and how, um, you know, hard hits and it's football, you know, it's football. It's, it's a physical game. So, um, you know, I walk in, in the box, it's time to tackle, it's time to make a play. And um, I love being around the ball. You know, I'm, I'm really stressed when I'm not around the ball. You know, it's, it's very stressful when, it's, when I'm not around the ball. So, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, playing inside the box, that's like my, my favorite thing to do. And, you know, I had that mentality to, you know, make a play, you know, make that, that tackle, make that big hit. You know, you're in the box, you know, you're a box safety. So it's time to go. How have expectations for this defense among yourselves changed after that Wisconsin game? I'm sure you guys went into the season with high expectations for your defense and yourself, but seeing it all come to fruition like that against a very good football team in Wisconsin, do you guys feel you are on the cusp of greatness or, you know, top of the FBS type of defensive performance? Um, you know, uh, we set a huge standard, you know, during the game last week, you know, that Wisconsin game. And uh, we just feel like, you know, we just got to take it one day at a time and just keep getting better. But, you know, we can't do anything less than what we did on Saturday. So uh, we just got to keep going. And, you know, we feel like we could be a great defense, but, you know, we, we can't just talk about it. We can't just say it. We got to do it. So, you know, we just got to keep getting better each and every day and um, just stick together and we'll, and everything's going to fall into place. You, you battled multiple injuries in that game. It, it made it really a gritty performance. I think multiple people have said that about that, you know, coming down with injury and then getting back into that football game. How are you recovering now? And walk us through some of those injuries and how you bounce back. Uh, I feel like um, my recovery process is um, is going well. You know, I'll, I'll be ready for Saturday, and um, you know, I feel like I'm. And then um, just my first couple of injuries were just, you know, just, you know, just um, cramps. You know, just like <laughs> um, not hydrated enough. Or <laughs> I feel like I feel like the warm up was just like kind of hot, and and it just fair like, enough. And then just like I just sweated, you know, everything out. So. Uh, you know, once I got, you know, past that, that's why I was on a bike and things like that, just trying to um, get my legs going, trying to get the tightness out and things like that. So, you know, I felt like um, once I had got past that, which, you know, our, our staff did very um, a great job of getting me back into the game. And once I got past that, um, I was fine. So were all those times you went down with injury cramps or was there an actual injury that ever took place? Uh, it was um, just cramps. That's it. 
Wow, what a battle from Cramps, man. That's fantastic to hear. Prepping for Ball State, we'll finish with this. What are you looking for from Ball State? You guys obviously are prepping for them this week, and then Auburn the upcoming week. How's the preparation gone, and what are you looking forward to? Um, Ball State, you know, um, they're a very talented team. You know, the preparation has um, went well, you know, um, especially with our film study on them. But um, they have a very talented team. You know, they they run um, tempo. Um, they have a great – they have um, a couple great receivers. Um good running backs and you know a veteran quarterback back there so you know um they're going to come in here and give us um our best shot and you know it, don't, it doesn't matter who we play you know we're, we're um you know we got to show up on Saturdays at all times so um but um preparation for the defense has went well you know um we've been watching film and we've been having great practices you know making sure that we're, we're on top of our game no matter what and you know especially the standard we set last Saturday we can't um, show anything less than that. Jaquan, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the time. Like I said, I'm looking forward to watching you this weekend for the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is honestly my favorite interview I think I've done this year, and I am excited to do a ton. But, man, we have the two Maryland receivers coming off a monster game, combined for 255 receiving yards a week one, the most of any receiving duo in college football so far this year, Dante Demas and Rakim Garrett. It is great to have you both on at the same time. This is a spectacular interview, and I really appreciate the time for both of you. No problem. Glad to be here. Let's start with you, Rock. I'd love to hear... Going into this game, which I would call one of the better games of college football week one, did you expect you and Tay to go off like you did and really put, you know, honestly, you know, the national stage on notice? I'd say I did. I think we both did. But it was just a matter of us executing what the coaches called, doing what we had to do to show the fans and everybody that we're we're one of the best. Tay, it sounds like Rock's being a little humble there. Were you going to a little higher expectations? You feel like you guys are, you know, one of the best receiving duos and you need more people talking about you both? I feel like, you know, our talent, you know, and our play speaks for itself. You know, we go out there and do what we do every day that we do in practice. So I feel like our talent shows for itself. And yes, we have one, well, the best receiving duo in the, in the nation. Say, I feel like something I noticed about your game is it really does complement what Garrett does really well, Rock does really well, and that you're a very big vertical threat, can win down the football field, and Garrett can eat up on all these underneath routes. Do you feel that that complementary skill set kind of separates you from other receivers? Other teams have good receiving duos, but to have what you guys can do, winning down the football field and in the short areas of the field, I think that complementary skill set really does separate you both. Yes, I feel like uh, we have that type of pick-your-poison type of game, like, if you, you know, take one of us out here in this part of our game, we'll exploit you there in another part of our game. So I feel like it's really levels to how we play, and, you know, it's really hard to stop. So what, talk to me more about your guys' relationship or speak to your relationship. Have you guys had opportunities to room together? I know a lot of receivers have done that in the past. And how, what's your relationship like on and off the field? Uh, Really just, you know, we're the type of guys, you know, hang around each other. You know, we like the same thing, stuff like that, you know, into the same thing like that. So. Our bond would just automatically just click because, you know, we're from around the same area and stuff like that. We grew up, you know, hearing about each other and stuff like that. We didn't really officially meet each other until we got here. But it's like, you know, we already knew what type of guy we was, you know, meeting at the end of the day. Right. You guys, I'm sure, are super competitive. How often are you giving each other tips or even competing in you know, on, on each other's games? And how often are you competing in-game to kind of have, you know, have the, the better game or the better play? <laughs> uh, I feel like we uh, really just go out there and try to, you know, 
try to just, you know, make that big play. You know, we both know that we have that ability to go make that big play. It's all about, you know, who's going to make it first type. You know, we have that little competition and stuff like that. But, you know, we always know that at the end of the day, we're both going to, you know, have a big game. Rock, I want to hear your take on that. I'd say it's very competitive. It's more competitive, like, in practice. Who's going to make the plays? Who's going to do what? In the game, I don't think it's really more so like competing with each other. I think we're just trying to win in the game. You see some of the you know, Alabama receivers in the past, Jalen Wall, Devontae Smith, playing rock, paper, scissors. So who's going to get the deep ball? I think there could be there could be some similar some similar events there at Maryland with how talented both of you are. Off the field, you know, how much are you guys working together, whether it's in the film room, at practice, or even you know, away from the film room, away from the facilities, working together to improve each other's game? I guess, Rock, you start. I'd say after every practice, almost every practice, we're trying to do something extra, catching jugs, uh, kickoff, just doing small stuff to get ahead on our opponent. And what, what do you feel is that next step for you both? You know, obviously off to a really hot start, 255 yards in that game one, but how does how does this duo take the next step? Rock, I'll stay with you. I just say we got to be consistent every game and show that, like, that wasn't just a one-time thing. We can go out there and do that every week. That were two of the best years in the conference. Tay, will you feel similarly about the consistency? Yes, you know, that's something I, you know, I tried to preach on, to preach off early on, just trying to be most consistent, you know, around the board. You know, I feel like we both have the strengths in the part of our game that we need to perfect and stuff like that. And I feel like that's what we work on every day. Tay, I see some jersey in the back there. Is those your high school jerseys? What do you have? Oh, yeah. Uh, the all yellow one is my practice jersey, and the uh, blue and yellow one is my, uh, my freshman jersey from my freshman year. What what position did you play in college, Tay? Or not college, high school, uh, sorry. <laughs> in, high, in high school, I played uh, receiver and a little bit of safety, but mostly receiver. What about you, Rock? Play receiver and gotcha. a little bit. Of I mean, some of these, well. you, you, some receivers enter college and have played a ton of ton of quarterback. I feel like both of you guys could have done that for sure. Looking ahead to this upcoming week, how has preparation gone so far? And uh, I guess what are you most looking forward to? Start with uh, you. Start me off, Rock. Uh, I say we're just trying to build on last week. We're trying to play to a standard. We know Howard is going to give us the test that West Virginia gave us. So this is going out cleaning up some of the mental errors and small stuff that. Other teams will see later on down the line. Well, what about your guys' relationship with Tungabailoa, an uber-talented quarterback in the Big Ten? Obviously, high expectations tied to that name with Tua Tungabailoa playing in the NFL. How have you guys developed your relationship with Talia so far? Uh, I'd just say he's a winner. I mean, he wants to win. He does everything in his power to help the offense be in the best position possible. So that's kind of hard to, like, it's kind of hard to not do your job when the person that leads you is like so into it, so motivated to win. I'll just say him being the guy he is and the alpha leader, alpha dog, he kind of brings everybody in the offense like along to try to push and work harder than what they can. What Tay, what's your can. kind of read on that or, or your relationship with him as well? I see, you know, I see that he always plays with an extra chip on his show. You know, he doesn't, he wants to be more than just. The little brother, I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. he's gonna show you that he he can come in and execute stuff as talented and maybe as better than him, brother. You feel me? So I feel like he just gives you that effort that you want, gives you that effort that nobody's gonna slack, gives you that effort that your team picks up off of. So I feel like he just give you the all around success. 
Do you feel, you know, the energy from him or even other players on Maryland after that win, you know, that win over West Virginia, do you feel expectations or goals have changed? And I guess speak to what the expectations were entering this season. And now after kind of feeling that game, a lot of times having that week one win, having that success so early, you can kind of enter the upcoming week saying, hey, we can actually put things together. So what were expectations for this team preseason or maybe just this offense? And how have those changed or shifted since obviously after this win over West Virginia? Um, I feel like it hasn't really been a change necessarily. I feel like our goal coming into this was not to play a team or play, you know, play around. It was really just to play to the standard standard that we set through, all through camp. You know, we're going to have, you know, adversity here and there, and we're just going to have to be disciplined throughout all of that stuff. So I feel like we just play to a standard, not necessarily to a team. What do you feel, and we can close with this one, I really appreciate the time, what do you feel is something that not enough people are picking up on between either you two as a receiving duo or even this offense? Because I think for a lot of, you know, the media does not, when they look at the Big Ten, they look at Ohio State. You know, they look at Michigan. They look at Penn State, Wisconsin. Maryland is not discussed among the top teams. What do you feel like people are missing or sleeping on either between you two, this offense, or this team overall? I feel like overall, you know, not to, you know, to be cocky and stuff like that, but it's just to be like, I'd rather them keep sleeping and finally just wake up. <laughs> you know, they 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 think, you know, they hold us to that standard of Maryland's always going to be Maryland and stuff like that. And, you know, all that stuff, we've been taught to just shut out and really just do what we know we can do, just go out there and really produce us how we did Saturday. Rock, what's your take on that? Uh, my take on I think, I mean, same as say, really, that, I mean, People, guys can keep sleeping. I mean, we all know how good, like, conference is in terms of receivers and who they you guys think are the best. But I think as the season goes on, you guys will kind of see that. Same thing you kind of seen last week in terms of play style. And I think if we continue to see what we saw last week, I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in to Maryland football because it was a fantastic start. And I really appreciate you guys jumping on the show after such a big week. Thanks again for jumping on. No problem. Glad to that's going to do it for this episode of the tailgate podcast. Make sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, three episodes a week. We are into the season now, baby. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, producer, Mike Quinn, producer, Max Chadwick, the tailgate podcast.